Hello, this is Kelly McGee, and it is September the 4th, 2020, and I have a Ramola D. Um, Ramola helps the people that are targeted individuals. I believe I told you what that was before, but I have no problem telling you again. Um, basically, targeted individuals are people that have been targeted for no reason of their own, or if they did something against somebody, um, they can be uh, suicided and things like that. It's not good. Um, but most of the targeting comes from people that um, are getting paid by Soros to harass people with um, what's called uh, electric... Um, hold on a second. I'm trying to do two things at one time. Hold on. Okay, I had to plug um, this one in or we would be in trouble. So, uh, these people, including Ramola, uh, she was hit with um, microwave weapons. Um, they're basically um, like a gun and they shoot and it, it burns and it burns her skin. Uh, I believe in this case it was her husband. Um, she never outwardly said that, but I think that he had connections. And then I heard from Alfred Lambert Weber that Lauren, his friend, um, was on a bus one day in the city and uh, the woman seated across from her took out of her purse a weapon and it was an electric shock machine and uh, started zapping her for no reason at all and these people are gang stalked 24-7 they're harassed they'll enter their house and let them know that they've been there with something um, they get, get them at night these um microwave uh, rays can go through the walls and they'll drive by and they'll hit them where they know their bed is. It's just horrible. So, But this particular um, Ramallah D report, I believe, has to do with the COVID-19 t- uh, numbers being off. So hello everyone, good afternoon. This is Ramola D from Ramola D Reports and I'm here today doing a very brief news break but a very important one because I'm here with Dutch Abraham who is a custom cabinet maker in Illinois, from Illinois. And he's here to give us a little bit of information about COVID-19 figures that he received by talking with somebody important in his county which gives lie really to the, some of the stories that we're hearing about the great number of deaths everywhere and the great number of 
cases everywhere. So this is very important whistleblowing, and I'm uh, very pleased that Dutch has stepped forward to share this information with us. So thank you so much, Dutch, and thanks for joining me this afternoon. Hi, Ramallah. Thanks. You're very welcome. Thank you for being here. So, Dutch, tell us, you're also a researcher, I gather, and, you know, you've sort of stayed on top of some of the, some of what's going on with this COVID mayhem, right? Yeah, I... Um like I say, I'm a custom cabinet maker here, and so I have to wear headphones in the shop all day. So I do a lot of research listening to podcasts, and that's how I listen to most of your stuff, Ramola, and okay. lots of other things. And I got mostly into it after I woke up to 9-11 because I was kind of curious about what was, what was going on in the world. So that's basically sure. what I did. Um, when the coronavirus thing first started, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. I thought it was going to be another false alarm like a Zika or Ebola or swine flu. Or mm-hmm. I pretty much thought it was a hoax. But as it went along, uh, kind of it was kind of a creeping horror. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, they're really going to try to pull one off here. And it just kept going. And then so I started looking into it. And that's kind of where I'm at right now, just trying to do my own research, figure out what's going on. That's pretty brilliant, which is really where we all are at, I think. I mean, all of us, we're watching videos, we're listening to the doctors and the nurses who are speaking out and whistleblowing, you know, and we're trying to find out what the real truth is. Uh, is there a virus? What kind of virus? <laughs> Can it possibly be transmitted in this way that they're talking about? And it turns out not really. And then, of course, there's all of this other information, you know, from the WHO, which I've done news breaks on about documentation signed by various countries where they've agreed to run these uh, live drills or exercises so this apparently is an exercise but it's an exercise with certainly very dire consequences for the economy right across the globe it seems and definitely in our country yeah i agree ramola i guess my biggest concern at this point is it just seems like all roads are leading to this vaccine and this vaccine i think is going to be very dangerous and it seems like even at the local level here All our media does is keep prepping people for the vaccine and our local public health authorities seem to be touting this vaccine is going to be some miracle cure that we all need to take. And I'm trying to get that information out, too, to kind of force our public health, you know, people locally to disclose the truth about the vaccine and what possible dangers are. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of into that, too. So. Wonderful. That's absolutely great. Literally, we need everybody to become media today. So, Dutch, everyone must be waiting with bated breath at this point. What is the information that you have discovered that is of great import, uh, you know, to this national conversation and literally the world conversation as well? You spoke to somebody important. Did you want to tell us who you spoke to? Yeah, uh, Ramona, I spoke to our... um our local coroner, or a county coroner here in my locality in Peoria, Illinois. Okay. He's, um, I just basically, I was trying to look at his website and trying to look at the numbers because I've been looking at the death numbers kind of worldwide, and it seems like in the midst of the worst pandemic in human history, um, there's just not a lot of people dying around the world. And so I looked at his website or, you know, our website, and the numbers were very, very low, it seemed like, with the size of our county. So... I contacted him by email, and uh, he's a very open person. He's a very nice guy. He's very well-liked in the community, and uh, he agreed to talk to me about it and share whatever information I could ask him because I told him there's so much 
information and misinformation about this whole thing. I just kind of was trying to get to the truth about whether we should be that alarmed about this or or not. So anyway, mm-hmm. I contacted him by email and we talked. I cut, left a couple messages and he, he actually reached out, got back with me and was very anxious to let me talk. And so we said, I just thought, well... Let's talk at your office. So I went over to his office and it was, uh, went to the coroner's office. It was very quiet over there. I think he's got a lot of time because there isn't, doesn't appear to be a lot of activity going on over there. And everybody was very nice. There was only a few employees there. Mm-hmm. But we sat down at his office and I bet we talked for a little over an hour. And he just probably, he just went over the numbers with me and, we talked about a whole range of issues as far as this whole coronavirus issue. We talked about testing. We talked about the death rate. We talked about the death certificates. And we talked about, ultimately, we talked about the vaccine. And then we actually talked about some of the local politics and the media and why he feels this has gotten to where it's gotten. So um, that's, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. You had a wide-ranging yeah. conversation with him on all of the different aspects, really, about this. And, um, you know, obviously talking to the county coroner, you obviously got some insight into the number of deaths that he can attest to, right? Yeah, he did run that by me. Um, and I would encourage anybody to do this. I mean, he, he was very open. He said, you know, I am, I'm an elected officer and I take that my relationship to the public very seriously so i have an open door policy anybody that wants to come and talk to me can and and so i think anybody in the country could probably do that same thing i did it was not that big a deal but anyway we started off by uh, talking about the uh the actual numbers in our county and that's all i'm going to really talk about because that's all i got information about was our county and i think our county is a fairly large metropolitan community i think there might be about two hundred thousand people i'm not really sure um, but okay. anyway, as of when I went to see him, I noticed that there was 30 coronavirus deaths that were related to the coronavirus on his okay. website from what I see. On the day I met with him, he said there was actually, he confirmed that there was actually 32 deaths that he said died of people that died with coronavirus or that he was labeled as coronavirus deaths he's confided me and he said actually and i'm going to try to get this as accurate as possible i didn't take any notes and i apologize if i if i i don't want i if i miss something up but i think everything i say is accurate i said um he told me that in reality there was really only three people um three patients that presented to the hospital with coronavirus symptoms that went out to die he showed me the death certificate. I think it was a death certificate or it was the forms that he had to fill out, which actually showed there is a line item now on a death certificate or on the form that I'm not sure if it was a death certificate or what the form was, but mm-hmm. there is a line item for COVID-19 and he has to fill it out from a descending scale from most important to least important. Um, so let's say if the primary cause of death was uh, an older person with uh, pneumonia or heart disease. He, w- he was he was trying very hard to make sure that he was honest in his presentation. So he would label that as um, as pneumonia or whatever their primary cause of death was. Um, but 
you would also have to hey, I have to fill something out for the COVID-19, meaning if they tested it or I think if they were around somebody that tested positive, he would have to put that down on the thing. And then the media would take that and attribute that as a coronavirus death. So I see. I see. that's the background on the death. Now we have, um, as far as the deaths go, there were, there's about on an average year, there's like 1,950 deaths in our country or in our county. And it looks like we're on track to have, if the trend continues to the end of the year, it looks like we're on track to have 50 coronavirus deaths or deaths attributed to coronavirus. Um, he actually admitted that the vast majority of the deaths were people that died with coronavirus, not of coronavirus. Right, and I just wanted to ask you about that, For ask you one question about that. You had mentioned, um, did he say uh, that initially there were 30 deaths or 32, and of those only three he felt were coronavirus deaths? Yeah, at the time I met with him, we had a total of 32. 32. And he said that really, of those 32, there was really only three people that presented at the hospital with actual coronavirus symptoms that went on to die. The rest were people with, I believe, with comorbidities. Most of the deaths are in nursing homes. Most of, like, the first death, I was on the phone with a local reporter. The first death um, was a man in his 90s, and the media really made a big deal on it. I was on the phone with a local reporter and she had to, said she had to rush off because we had our first coronavirus death and she wanted to make sure she got it reported. Oh. But it happened to be a person that was 91 years old. And that's a person that's basically well over the median age of death anyway um, in this country. So anyway, there in this county, there's like 1,950 total deaths on an average year. Uh, we're on track to having 50 coronavirus deaths. So as a percentage of the deaths, um, that's extremely low of the people that die in the county that actually die of coronavirus. Right. He actually said that he, he showed me the statistic where that in 2019, um, 65 people actually died in our county from falls. So that means that people are at more risk of dying from a fall than they're dying of dying from the coronavirus because on a regular year um there probably will be more people dying from falling than dying from the covid um Absolutely. that's pretty much everything about the death that he told me he mm-hmm. he basically i think that's about it I, I, maybe you can ask me some questions but we also went on to talk about all kind of wide-ranging issues uh, regarding the coronavirus situation. Mm-hmm. That That's really interesting. Well, thank you. That in itself, I think, is sort of bombshell information because he's clarified a couple things. One is that the number of deaths being reported are deaths which are primarily not just COVID, but deaths of people who've been diagnosed as with COVID in addition to other comorbidities or other conditions, chronic conditions they might have had earlier, and also conditions of age. These are deaths in nursing homes, etc. So that's one big thing. And then, um, you know, just three out of 32, that, that's a huge discrepancy, right? That's a huge distinction in terms of numbers. And um, 
What else did you talk about? Um, we also talked about the testing. Um, okay. He actually shared a story with me that I've heard from many other people. Uh, my sister and a good friend of mine and a couple other people have told me stories that they know they personally know people that stood in line to take the test. They filled out all the forms, but they didn't want to wait. So they actually just got out of line after they'd filled out their forms. And they were notified a few days later that they were positive for the coronavirus. So basically filled out the forms. They didn't take the tests, but they were notified that they were positive. This so is a story that's me, being reported from around the country, actually. Many people are saying this. Yeah, my sister knows two people personally. Uh, a friend of mine told me, um, a couple, actually a couple friends of mine have told me that they know two people personally. And the coroner, coroner actually, he said he knows two people that the same thing. So he had that same experience to share. He said that uh, he thinks the testing is very inaccurate. There's... Um, he said that he thought the reason that children weren't getting this or testing for it, he thinks that they are getting it, that they're just strong. And the, this virus, whatever it is, just doesn't really affect children that much. So it doesn't mean the kids aren't getting it. He, sees, he said he thinks that they're getting it and they're getting through it with either no symptoms or very small symptoms that the parents don't even know they had it. Um, on that, I'm trying to remember what else, uh, on that particular uh, point, that's all right. On that particular point, I should probably just note as well for our listeners that, you know, I have spoken to various doctors and nurses as well, and I've also been reading a lot of reports on that PCR test that is being used to determine whether somebody has COVID is a very kind of non-distinct, non-specific kind of test, which simply determines if you have some kind of genetic material or trace material, residual material that could possibly have been left left behind from a cold or a flu you've had within the last six months to a year. It doesn't really necessarily state distinctively that you have this particular virus, SARS-CoV-2, you know, that you have COVID-19. So it's non-specific. Right. Yeah. And so it cannot really be used as any kind of definitive identifier of any kind of particular pandemic as we are being told we should believe. And, you know, it, it's a far stretch for any of us to believe this. I want I wanted to just show as well these uh, numbers that are here on the screen. They are from, again, the Illinois Department of Public Health. This looks like the figures um, so far. Confirmed cases, 204,000 in Illinois. Confirmed deaths, 7,726. Total tests performed, 3.3 million. And recovery rate, uh, 95%. So, I mean, we've got to keep that in mind. They cannot fudge the recovery rate. People are mostly recovering from this. So, it's almost like, you know, a bad flu or a bad cold or something for most people. And But then you have these vulnerable populations at both ends of the scale, you know, the very young or the ones in the nursing homes, the elderly uh, who succumb. And then again, there's discrepancy in how that's being reported as well, as your uh, coroner has stated. So it's very problematic, all of these um, numbers. Well, he also, he actually wrote down on his yellow pad, 99.9%. Uh, and he said, he circled it and he said, now that is the recovery rate. This, he said, this ah, is not a very dangerous brilliant. virus that we're He so, also said, as far as the testing goes, a couple other things. He he thinks that uh, the testing is actually picking up people with antibodies that are um, 
that are actually have had the coronavirus. And I've talked to a lot of people, even people in our family. And the coroner even mentioned that I told them that I think I knew a, a lot of people. I've talked to a lot of people that feel like they've had the coronavirus or had this back in December, late December, early January, towards the end of the year. And I know it went through, I, my, my wife was extremely sick and I had something really bad for like a day or two. And then my daughter and everybody else, it went through the whole family basically. But he actually confirmed that it went through his family too. He said that it, he, they all had it. And he said he thought it was in late December I when see. they had it. Very interesting. And then he also said, we also discussed, go ahead. I was just going to say the coronavirus well, we also is also- discussed about Sorry, it looks Go like ahead. we have an audio Sorry. delay. <laughs> Didn't mean to cut you off okay. over there. Okay, so um, I should also mention that the coronavirus, again, is, uh, you know, it's just one. It's There are several species within that family of viruses. So it's not just some kind of very uh, unique kind of identifier for a virus, from what I understand. Yeah, I think uh, that's kind of what I've kind of found out myself. He also, we also discussed that we felt like the media was being extremely deceptive by pushing this case number because it's not really a case. When they say 5 million new cases or they say cases are exploding in certain areas, really, and he kind of, I think we both were in agreement that that's extremely deceptive. All that means is that that's a positive test result. And since people that aren't taking the tests are testing positive and since the test is so inaccurate to begin with and so and since the test might even be picking up people that already had the coronavirus you shouldn't the media shouldn't be pushing this as a case they should be saying that's a test because when they say case they lead people that don't look into this more they lead them to believe that that's an active person that is sick with the coronavirus that's just very deceptive. So Absolutely. I'm so glad that you had that conversation. It's really interesting that he actually used the term deceptive because it seems like from your conversation in terms of the numbers, you know, that is something that all of us are learning, but it's, um, you know, wonderful to hear somebody from inside um, the world of numbers and actually counting the number of deaths, giving us that information, you know, from the inside. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else? Yeah, just a few things. We did talk about the, um, I asked him, wouldn't it be a good idea to get this information out to the people of our county? Because there are a lot of people that are extremely scared. They still think this is extremely dangerous. And I thought if we were just to let the people know what, that this isn't really that dangerous of a virus. It's a pandemic, but it's actually a very mild pandemic, you know, just because I think people are scared by the word pandemic, thinking that this is something horrible, but it could be, but if it could be a pandemic and just mean that it's a contagious, a very minor or a very easy virus to get through, but it's highly contagious. So anyway, um, so I asked him, I said, is there, can we not just, get the numbers out to the people. I mean, we don't have to, all I was trying to do is, can we just get the truth out about the numbers? We don't have to make any suppositions about what the coronavirus is, what the COVID-19 is, or we don't have to get any deeper in that. 
Um, but we should just at least tell the people what the actual death rate is in our county. I mean, not talk about the world or mm-hmm. about the rest of Illinois, but just our county. And he just said that uh, he's really concerned about the political pressure and the media attacking him because it seems like it's very political here in Illinois. And he even went on to say that um, the governor, our governor of Illinois, is a Democrat, and Illinois is in very bad shape fiscally. Um, we have a pension plan that's not sustainable, and it's very, very underwater. And he basically, the coroner basically said that he believes that this is mostly political mm-hmm. and that the, the governor is trying to bankrupt the state in order to get federal bailout money from whoever the president is. And I, there's been a lot of my friends and a lot of people in town that believe the same thing. We think that's what it's all about. And I was very involved in the reopen Illinois thing when this whole thing started. And that's pretty much what everybody thought at the time, that this was more of a political thing. And it's actually even local. I mean, even the local Democratic Party will come down on him like a ton of bricks if he tries to actually bring this information out. Very, and very so interesting. I feel for him. And uh, he's a Democrat, but he says he's not really that political. He, at the local level, I don't think people really care that much about Democrat or Republican. Basically, he wanted the he wanted the job. He wanted to run for the office, and it was a Republican incumbent, so he had to go Democrat to to get the job. But he's a really nice guy, and he's extremely well liked in the community. So, what I'm trying to do is trying to form a, a local group here that will support him. Wonderful, and help protect him if if he were to try to come out and. I've got some friends that are very influential here, and I think numbers out to the people. We we're not saying anything else, you know, but I think they should know about the death rate. I think people should news, know the truth. Know? Yes, people should have the numbers. Yeah. Absolutely, and it, as if, as you say, and it sounds like this friend of yours, this coroner, of also felt this case might be similar in other counties and uh, did he make some uh, suggestions about being in contact with other coroners in other counties and trying to find out what the situation was through the whole state of Illinois? Well, I brought that up with him because I was thinking, I was just told him, you know, there's strength in numbers. If we can get a number of your colleagues in surrounding counties to just present their numbers along with you, maybe that might be a good idea. He spoke of a few. He's got a really good friend, I think he said, in, I don't know if it was Springfield or Champaign. The coroner there is a big friend, but uh, I think he said he or she is up against a very tough re-election campaign, and I guess the election's coming up in November for their offices as well. So he didn't feel like they would really want to get too involved in it. Okay. Um, what about reporting? Oh, go ahead, Mola. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, you can finish that because I was going to ask about the reporting and perhaps you can talk about that next, you know, if you've reported this information to local reporters. Um, I've tried. <laughs> you know, when this whole thing started, I've got a couple local reporters that I've been trying to get information to for years. And so mm-hmm. there's one in particular, and I won't really name her, but I, <laughs> after I talked with the coroner, I wrote reached out with her both in um text messaging because i do have her number at work and and i left a couple of uh voice um voice messages with her 
and I told her I had some, you know, I just spoke with the county coroner, and I had some really great news to that I think the people of Peoria would just love to hear, and I wish I wanted her to contact me and uh, get this information out. Maybe she would go talk to the coroner. I'm sure he would be willing to talk to anybody. I mean, he said he's got an open door over there. So, um, but I don't think the uh, the local media I think is very controlled even down at this level. I think they know what they can report and they know what they can't report. Oh yeah, so I mean, I that's my understanding. Yeah. Any good news to the people here you know they want to keep i really think that they're they're paid out even at the local level they're all owned by the pharmaceutical companies and they're going to try to keep this alive until the vaccine shows up that's that's kind of my thoughts i think you've got it down i think that's exactly what's going on and as we know media is so owned it's just it's a it's a structure and substructure that is so owned and you know the ownership goes absolutely to the pharmaceutical companies to the bankers to the bill gates foundation to you know all of those big foundations etc and they do appear to have an um, agenda in mind here with the vaccine but hopefully people will wake up and understand that this vaccine is, doesn't make any sense and you know it seems like if we don't put our foot down um to this kind of thing to the te- to forced man- testing mandated testing mandated vaccines etc then that's it i think everybody's freedom goes down the drain right so this is why this is such a big issue and such an important issue to talk about and why it's important to come forward with the numbers um i i took heart from one of the things you said earlier that um this corner actually invited people to come in and speak with him and perhaps other people around the country can do this as well just go to the local county coroner i mean where would they find him where would they find such a person i don't know if you heard that uh it broke up a little i caught most of it but okay uh, my my question was where would people go if they wanted to speak to the county coroner well, all they have to do is just call his office and do what oh, I did. I just called He's in the telephone book. Okay, yeah. In the number, and he's got an email at the county coroner site and stuff. And so oh. I really do. Well, I really think the solution, a, well, I don't know if it's the solution, but I think a local sol- a solution is to really be local with uh, talking to people. They're just members of our community, these coroners and they're the, like the public health administrator. We're going to be reaching out to her and Wonderful. trying to get her to bring out some information about the vaccine. I think the local people need to know that there's a group of very concerned citizens out here that know there's something very wrong about this whole thing. And they're members of our community. And I think it wouldn't be the worst thing if they felt a little heat that they, you know, if the vaccine goes through and we start getting injured by it, then we're going to go to the, our public health people. We're not going to go to the CDC. We're not going to go to the state of Illinois. We're going to show up at the door of our office here in my county. And we're going to ask them to explain what happened here. And so I think in the game here is just be talking to these local people because I don't think they're bad people. And I don't think, I think they just, I'm not sure how awake they are at all, what's happening here. And I think people got in pretty deep, pretty quick with this thing. And now they're trying to look for a way out, like a coroner or a public health agency. They might need help from the the local population to stand behind them or stand with them and help them get the real information out, I guess. 
Absolutely. And that's a great note to end on and, you know, a great um, sort of instruction to give people um, and a reminder that, you know, these are just local people. They're good people. We are we know them. They work in our midst. And so we can ask them to be accountable. We can ask them for information. We can knock on their doors. Right. And find out um, the truth and help to disseminate that truth to a vast uh, populace and also put the strength of numbers behind it. So that's really brilliant so thank you so much Dutch anything else that you would like to say to people before we close for today no that's it Ramola and I just want to thank you for all you do and it's people like you that give us courage out here to step up and ask questions I think the courage is contagious and Fabulous. we just need a lot of people that start we all need to stand together and speak out certainly yes and you're right you know one person standing up helps others to stand up as well so so thank you for speaking out Dutch and hopefully that will inspire other people to come forward you know with more information as Dutch has shared today and by all means if you have information I always leave my email in the video description box below so send me an email if you have information to share about any kind of discrepancies and reportage with these numbers the figures of cases the, the numbers related to you know who's infected and the number of deaths etc so please let me know and of course you know do as Dutch uh, suggests and requests go speak to your county coroner so on that note thanks everyone for watching thank you so much again Dutch and uh, we'll see you again very soon bye for now okay so that was Ramola D um, and she had a guest on that was um had talked to his county corner and his location and these numbers for the coronavirus are fake um and the county corner pretty much told him that he's they had it down as 32 and there was only three people and they were old um i'm not sure what they're trying to pull here but i feel too that something's definitely <clears throat> a miss with all of this and I had a, a person called Celeste Salome who um, used to work for DARPA and um, she had some information about what was going on with this COVID-19 and um, it was a little over my head but I was working on it and posting on it and trying to get information um, because what was in the aerosolized version of the um, the virus um, was something that they can't take out with a vaccine that's what I heard but you know there's so many things going on right now I it I don't know what to say. I, I can't say that that's true or not true. It's just um, has a life of its own at this point, and it takes. It's going to take somebody who knows a lot about this to figure out why they're doing this to us. And I, I'm not going to take any vaccination. I can't anyway because I don't have an immune system. I would get sick and I would die for sure if they have anything live in there. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks for listening and um, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.